Hey friends, Ashley Souza here. I spent years working in dental offices wishing I had a friend to guide me. So I'm here now via the Practice Ally podcast to guide you on your journey in dental management. This episode is being brought to you by WiseTech. WiseTech is financing patients actually like using. That's because there's no hidden fees, there's no late fees, and patients can see their options in less than a minute. It doesn't even hurt their credit score to apply. WiseTech gives your patients the convenience of paying overtime while you get paid as soon as the work is done. And it's a reasonably flat rate for your practice. See what all the buzz is about. Go to wisetech.com slash Ashley. That's wisetech, W-I-S-E, T-A-C-K dot com slash Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y. All loans are subject to credit approval. Your terms may vary. WiseTech loans are issued by Hatch Bank. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for joining us on the Practice LA podcast. We're so excited to have you here today. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, um, where you're from, and who are you? Be happy to, and I'm equally excited to be joining you and looking forward to a fun conversation. Um, On a personal level, I'm an amicably divorced uh, father of three uh, and 46 years old, and I reside right outside of Washington, D.C. I'm in a suburb of Maryland. Um, But more importantly, on a professional level, uh, I'm a keynote speaker and author, uh, and I specialize in helping folks uh, improve both individual performance and organizational performance. And I've been doing this uh, for the past five years. Uh, And prior to that, I spent almost 20 years uh, as a basketball performance coach and had an opportunity to work with, uh, work alongside and observe uh, many of the game's best players and coaches. And and I now take all of the lessons and strategies and mindsets and habits and rituals and routines that I learned from world-class athletes. And I show folks how they can apply those uh, to their business and to their lives in general. I love that. And I am so grateful that you, um, came on the podcast because I've been a huge fan of your work. I just read the book, uh, raise your game. Uh, and I couldn't agree more with like the leadership strategies that you, um, that you mentioned. And that's why I really wanted to have you on. I think when I see amazing coaches, <clears throat> no matter like what the sport is, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I do, I do admire like when teams can work together and how that kind of relates to the professional aspect of things. And when I see like amazing coaches, like my favorite is like Bill Belichick of the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always wonder, like, I wonder what he's doing differently than I am in the business world and how that could relate. I would just love to like hang out with him for a couple of weeks. Um, but what I love about your your book is that you kind of go into that. And I really, I think people in my industry really talk, uh, are stuck in a historical mindset of iron fist um, leadership. And I would love for you to talk about um, different styles that coaches have and like what you see be effective, like versus iron fist versus like more nurturing. Absolutely. Well, I don't know Coach Belichick personally, but I've I've researched and studied him and a lot of the other great coaches in team sports. And I can tell you what they do that's a little bit different than what most people do. Um, but the best part of it is the things that they do 
are open and available for all of us to do if we make that choice. You know, they don't they don't really have any quote unquote secret or or any type of magic pill or potion. You know, they they stick to a, a handful of core values and core beliefs, and they do so with a relentless consistency. And uh, to me, I find that incredibly empowering and, and gives me tremendous optimism uh, because they're things that I'm capable of doing as well. And, you know, um, and, and a few of those things, and I'll, I'll rattle a few off and then you can tell me which ones you'd, you'd like to dive deeper on. You know, the, the first is they never get bored with the basics. Uh, they really respect and appreciate and engage um, the fundamentals. Now, obviously, when you're talking about a sport, whether it's football or basketball, there are fundamental components to that sport. You know, football is blocking and tackling and throwing and catching. Uh, basketball is shooting and passing and rebounding and defending. Um, so they make sure that their players are working on the fundamentals of the game uh, relentlessly. And the way we can all apply that to our lives is figuring out what are the fundamentals that we need to work towards mastery of during the unseen hours to get really good in any specific area of our life. You know, I'm a keynote speaker, so I, I know what the fundamentals of being a captivating speaker are, and I do my best to work on those every single day. But this applies to any area, you know, whether you're a teacher, a sales professional, a lawyer, uh, whether you're trying to have an improved marriage or a better relationship with your children, you know, you still need to identify what are the basic building blocks and then work towards those consistently. Uh, that is the second component of a, of a Bill Belichick uh, is that consistent part. You know, he, he doesn't stick to the fundamentals uh, when he wants to, when it's convenient or when he feels like it. He sticks to the fundamentals every single day. They are the, the foundation to which everything else is built. And, and something that, that a very similar coach, who's actually a good friend of Coach Belichick, uh, Nick Saban down at Alabama, uh, is famous for saying standard over feelings which means he aims to live to a standard regardless of how he feels, you know, because we're, we're sentient beings, we're human beings. We're, we're going to have low moods. We're going to have times where even the most optimistic and positive, you know, folks uh, are going to be frustrated, angered, upset, annoyed, jealous. You fill in the blank. And those are normal emotions that should be embraced, but you can't let them affect your performance and you can't let them affect how you show up. And you definitely can't let them affect how you treat others. So this concept of, of standard over feelings is another one. Um, a few other things that, that separate a coach Belichick or, or at least are traits that the rest of us can emulate. Um, he does a nice job of blending uh, confidence with humility. You know, he's incredibly confident in his ability as a leader and as a coach. He's confident that he knows the game and he's confident that he can create a winning culture, but he's humble enough to know that he doesn't have all of the answers, that, that there are still things that he needs to learn and figure out, that no matter how good he is, he can still get better. You know, so he's still open to being coached by others and he's still open to feedback. Uh, and then the last one that, that at least immediately jumps to mind, although I'm sure the list is much, much longer. Uh, Coach Belichick is very, very, very process oriented. Um, he doesn't focus a lot on results. He lets the results become a byproduct of the process. Now, obviously, he wants to win football games. He wants to win Super Bowls. He wants to win rings. Um, but that's not what he focuses on. He focuses on the daily behaviors, uh, the habits, the mindsets, the, the micro skills, and what needs to be done 
to increase the chance that winning will be the byproduct. So, you know, no matter when you ask him in the season, you know, you know, what's most important to you right now, he'll inevitably say today's practice. Like that's the only thing that matters to me right now is today's practice. I'm not worried about who we're playing on Friday. I'm not, or excuse me, Sunday. I'm not worried about whether or not we're going to be in the Super Bowl. All I'm worried about is having a great practice today, because if we can do that today and then again tomorrow, and then again, the next day, it'll increase the chance we'll win on Sunday. And if we consistently win on Sunday, then we've got a good chance of being in the Super Bowl. So he understands that relationship between process and results. Oh my gosh. I love all those things. I would love to dive in in each and every one of them. We have only so much time. I know. Um, let's go to your initial point about the basics. And I love that, um, you know, in your book, you mentioned that you got that um, mentality from Kobe Bryant, who is obviously almost everybody's favorite. I mean, I definitely mind. He's an admirable, has all of the qualities that you mentioned. Um, he, he's uh, humble and confident and he's, um, and you, you got to see him practice and you got to see um, him focus on the basics. And can you tell us a little bit about his perspective on why that was important and what maybe the basics would be on working with, uh, working and coaching with people every day? Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, Kobe, Kobe was a fascinating one because I mean, he was obsessed with becoming the best player of all time, but certainly being the best player that he was capable of. And he understood that the gateway to that was working on the fundamentals. So I, I had a chance to watch one of his private workouts one time back in 2007. And I remember being surprised at, at how basic the drills were that he was doing. I mean, he was doing stuff that I had taught to middle school age players. Now he was doing it with unparalleled precision and unparalleled intensity and focus. Um, but the stuff he was doing was basic. And um, he understood that, that that was the foundation to which the rest of his game would be built. Now, uh, to clarify, it doesn't mean that he only worked on the basics. It just means that he never left them and that that was a part of his daily routine. So he certainly, to get to a level like a Kobe Bryant, he needed to continue to level up and graduate to more advanced drills and skills and techniques but he never left the basics behind and he would always use those almost as a stepping stone or a ladder to continue to get better. And what was so powerful for me at that time as a much younger coach was, okay, if, you know, at that time, the best player in the world is willing to spend 45 minutes doing basic footwork and shooting mechanics, then certainly the basics aren't beneath me. You know, I need to be, if Kobe Bryant's going to work on the basics, then I absolutely need to be doing the same. And since I was no longer a player at that time, then I started to look at, okay, well, what are the basic building blocks of being a coach or being a leader? You know, and then I, I graduate that to what I'm doing now. What are the basic building blocks of being an effective speaker or author uh, or father to my children? I mean, it's this, this has such high utility, this principle, it can be applied in, in any area. Um, as far as the ability to connect with other people and the ability to coach and impact um, a few of the basics that, that I try and focus on, uh, one, first and foremost, is simply being present, uh, is, is caring enough to give someone your full undivided attention, which in today's day and age where we're constantly bombarded with digital distractions, that is becoming increasingly more difficult to do. You know, I mean, the, think how many times you've been in a conversation with someone and they haven't given you their full attention. You know, they're they're talking on the phone or, you know, they're, they're doing something else. Um, and, and 
intuitively and unconsciously, it, it makes you feel less valued. It makes you feel like, well, I guess I'm not that important, you know, and instead of looking me in the eye, they keep staring at their phone. So apparently whatever's on their phone is more important than me. And, and I'm not bashing technology by any means, but I would love to see us as a species get back to giving people our undivided attention. Uh, very similar to that, another basic building block, which is an offshoot of that, uh, is the ability to actively listen. You know, something you're doing a wonderful job of right now is as I'm, I'm talking, is, is listening with the intent to deepen a connection, is listening with the intent to learn something. You know, most people, instead of actively listen, they wait for their turn to talk. You know, they, they can't wait for the other person to stop moving their lips so they can jump in and say something, you know, and th that I think ends up um, eroding the connection that you could have with that person. And, and I know this firsthand because while I'm still far from a world-class listener, it is a skill set that I've improved dramatically over the last five or six years because it was really an Achilles heel uh, in most of the relationships in my life that I, I just wasn't a very good listener. And I saw that that prevented me from, from connecting. So it's something I'm cognizant of and aware of uh, and trying to improve. Um, you know, another basic building block uh, of, you know, any relationship is valuing what the other person considers important, you know, um, learning to speak the other person's language. And I, I know this is an audio podcast, but I just put that in air quotes you know, I don't mean, you know, make sure you both speak English. You know, I mean, using words and phrases and terminologies and touch points that are meaningful to the other person. You know, as you can probably guess from how much I'm talking right now, I'm a little bit of an over communicator. Like I, I have, I'm never short on words. You know, I send really long emails. I write really long posts and I talk really long when someone asks me a very basic question because I'm an over communicator. Well, that might be my preference, but if you and I are work colleagues or if you and I are friends uh, and you prefer brevity, you prefer me to get to the point and just give you three quick bullet points, then I need to be chameleon-like enough to speak your language and deliver the message in a way that will resonate most with you. So ultimately, relationships and leadership uh, is the mindset of it's not, it's not what, you know, about what for me, it's what's best for you. So if I can if I can figure out what your preferences are and be chameleon like enough to deliver messages the way you would prefer to hear them, then then I think we're going to have a much better relationship and I'm going to be more influential and impactful. So those are three that just come real quick, you know, to top of mind uh, as far as basics that are, are we should all be working on consistently to improve our ability to impact others. I love that. And I actually, um, I saw some, something from your book and did a whole episode on it. Um, and I want to talk about that, but I just think that, um, you know, the listening is, is super important. And it kind of ties into this, um, very basic coaching method that you <laughs> taught in the book. And I just, I thought it was so basic. And so it was such an aha moment. It basically was, that you identify something that, you know, somebody could do better. And every time that they start to show improvement, you are calling that out. And I think that, um, <clears throat> you know, listening and for the positive things, instead of just looking for the negative things or things that could be better are, is really, really hard for some people. Uh, do you have any input on that and on uh, like how people can work on that? 
For sure. Well, there's an old adage that says that which gets praised gets repeated. So um, in any relationship, whether it's me as a father with my three children or or in a work environment, is you want to look to catch people doing things right. Uh, you know, we're usually trying to catch people doing things wrong so we can correct them. And there is a time and a place for that. I, I believe in that portion of accountability. But when you can find someone doing a job well done or going above and beyond or doing something, you know, really well to the best of their ability, we should acknowledge that and we should praise that. And now, again, to really customize that, you need to get to know the person to figure out what type of praise would be most meaningful to them. You know, and that, again, goes back to this adage. And I, I kind of butchered it the way I was saying it before is, you know, the mantra is it's not about me. It's about you. Um, and that's if we can learn to look through the world through that lens of it's not about me, it's about you. So it, it doesn't really matter how I like to be praised. How do you like to be praised? So perfect example, let's just say hypothetically, you and I are work colleagues um, and you've been doing a really good job, you know, and I want to acknowledge that. Well, there's a variety of different ways that I can acknowledge and praise you. I can I can just come up and, and tell you, boy, you've been doing a great job. Uh, I can write you a handwritten note. Uh, I could get you a Starbucks gift card because I know that you like Starbucks. Um, I could, uh, you know, at the next team meeting, I could make it a point to tell everyone what an amazing job you've been doing. Um, I could say, hey, you know, you've been doing such a great job. You know, I'm going to let you knock off on Friday at noon. You know, you don't have to come in this afternoon. You got the Friday off to, to go do something, um, you know, spend time with whoever. Uh, so there's a variety of different ways that I could show you that I appreciate you but I want to get to know you to the point that I know which one of those would be most meaningful to you. You know, if I buy you a Starbucks gift card, but I don't even realize that you don't like Starbucks or you don't drink coffee or caffeine, then ultimately what I did was I just reinforced the fact that I don't know you very well. And, and that unconsciously kind of sends a wedge between us. Now, my guess is you would, you would believe that I had the right intent that I was trying to show appreciation. I'm not saying that you'd get upset by that, but it's still just kind of this little unconscious message that, you know, Alan doesn't really know me as a person. So that's why it's so important to get to know the people that you work with so that when they do something right, you can acknowledge it, but you can customize that praise in a way that's most meaningful to them. You know, I've known some people that if you praise them in front of the group, they actually get embarrassed. They don't, they don't like having the spotlight on them. That actually makes them feel worse. So here it is, I'm trying to do something to encourage you to keep working hard or, or doing a, a good job. And instead I'm unconsciously sending the other message, which is every time you do a good job, I'm gonna do something that embarrasses you. So then unconsciously you're gonna not want to do a good job because you don't like that type of recognition. And and you know, I think if we can pay more attention to that, um, it certainly serves us. And I, and I know on the receiving end, you know, it feels really good when someone praises a job well done or says thank you uh, and acknowledges it. So, you know, that that old adage of, you know, if, if something is if something I appreciate and feels good when people do it to me, then can I reciprocate that and put that back out in the world? And um, I, I think the more we can do that and look at others uh, as opposed to always just looking at ourselves is is certainly in everybody's best interest. For sure. And um, so like on that notion, I just kind of um, was curious to see if you like have any, uh, I guess, examples of 
of what other like NBA coaches would do, we'll say when they're dealing with these big personalities, right? Because we have big personalities in the business world and the dental offices. Um, but I can't imagine that they're as big as they are in the NBA. And so like, how do you think that, um, you know, these coaches are able to kind of win them over on a personal level because it's not I mean when you get to know somebody it's not just work right it's personal and because everybody wants to feel cared for so do you think that the coaches take that time and give me some examples on like what um you know what they would do to do that oh I'm so glad you went in that direction and that's such an insightful point you know what the best coaches do is they make sure their players know I care about you as a human being first and as an athlete second you know, that I, I care about you and your goals and your dreams and your family and what's important to you, not just the fact that you can help me win basketball games or football games. And and just making that gesture um, is in of itself a separator, because when you get to the professional athlete level where these guys are multimillionaires many times over, they're famous, you know, most people want something from them. Most people are always kind of on the take. So these guys are guarded and, and, and it's very easy for them to feel, um, feel like they're, they're just simply an asset because of their skills on the quarter field that they're, they're almost objectified to the point that you only care about me because I'm a great player. And because I can win games or because I can make this, this franchise some money. So when you show them that you really care about them and their feelings and their dreams and their goals, um, you have their back when when they're facing adverse conditions, personally or professionally. That's definitely the way to to kind of cut through and and let them know, uh, you know, that that I value you and you are important to me on a human level. And the best coaches do that to a very very high degree. And that's certainly something that that we can apply to the business world. You know, uh, if you only care about the sales professional on your team because they sell a bunch of your product or service. Versus letting them know, I care about you as a human, you know, ask them questions about their family, ask them questions about their personal life, like, you know, within appropriate limits, of course, but, but take an interest in them as human beings. And it's been my experience that when you do that and you go that extra mile, uh, you'll increase trust, you'll increase mutual respect, and you'll absolutely increase the buy-in and believe in when, when a player or another human being knows that you value them for them. And not because of what they do, you know, you value who they are, not what they do. Um, that's, that's certainly a, a, a sign of a very, very effective leader. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think time and time again, I have people uh, say to me, but, you know, leave the, leave your personal life at the door. And I think that's such an old school mentality. So it's very refreshing to hear that even the NBA uh, doesn't do that. And uh, what would you say to people that say that they're too busy to take an interest in people's personal life? Well, I, I do understand on some level, there is a scalable component, like even even using the examples we've been talking about. I mean, there's a difference between a 15 man roster in the NBA and an 80 man roster in the NFL. I mean, it would be just logistically harder for Bill Belichick to know every single person on the team versus Steve Kerr knowing every single person on the Golden State Warriors doesn't mean they shouldn't still attempt it. But but when leaders when leaders say something to the effect of what you just said that hey you know having these little check ins and these personal conversations and and getting to know someone you know that is just too much extra work uh, I usually smile and wink and say no that is the work 
That's not extra. That actually is the, the bullet. You know, that's the, the centerpiece of the target. That's what you need to be doing first. Everything else that you're considering part of your job description as a leader needs to be secondary to that. Because if you're not establishing mutual trust and respect, and you're not earning buy-in and believe in, and your people don't think you care about them as human beings, then all of the other stuff doesn't really matter anyway. So uh, anytime someone says, you know, because what I, I encourage a lot of folks in the business world to do is have these periodic check-ins, you know, is, is just stop by somebody's desk. And I know that can mean virtual in, in today's day and age. But just check in to see how they're doing, you know, ask them an open ended question like what's going on in your world, you know, so you're not necessarily talking about business, you're not leading them in any direction, but you're getting to know them, you know, because as a leader, and, and one other thing I'll say if I take a step back with this mantra of it's not about me, it's about you, is you need to let the other person control the dance. Um, if you and I work together and you're one of my direct reports, you know, I need to, to do a litmus test to see how comfortable you are talking about things in your personal life. And I need you to be the one that controls that speed because some people are more private than others. And you want to be incredibly respectful of that, you know, so, you know, it, it could be, you know, maybe I know how many children you have and what their names are and their ages, but you don't really feel comfortable diving into their after school activities and the things they're doing. That's fine. So this is not about prying. Uh, this is not about forcing someone to share something they're uncomfortable with. It's about letting them know, look, if 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 talking about that and, and your children and what they're up to is important to you, then I want to make it important to me as well. And I would love to make time to learn more about your family and what you have going on. And, and, and then I want to be able to reciprocate. You know, that's how we actually create a connection. So, you know, you share a little bit about what you have going on in your life. And I share a little bit about what I have going on in my life. And that allows us to connect and have have some cohesion and camaraderie above and beyond what we actually do for a living, you know, here at this company. Um, but you want the other person to really control that speed. And when you can kind of check in periodically to see what's going on, then folks know you care. Now, if, if I'm the CEO of a company that has 3000 people, I simply can't do that with 3000 people. However, I can still make that a part of our culture. And I can say in our company of 3000 people, you know, we have whatever, we have 50 managers and those managers are each responsible for a certain number of people. So I want to make sure that I'm staying in close touch with the managers and the managers are staying in close touch with the people that report to them. So it's almost this layered, tiered, trickle down effect. So the point is, even if you have a company with 3000 people, every single one of those people should feel valued and respected and appreciated, and they should feel connected to someone in your organization, even if it it can't always be the, the CEO or, or the, the top person. So um, you, you have to make time to do those things. And, and that's usually getting back to what I was saying before, you know, when I recommend that that a, a, a leader kind of walk around and do these check-ins and they say, well, I just don't have time to do that. That's when I say, no, that is the work. You know, there's nothing more important than earning respect uh, and trust and buy-in and believe in. And once you've done that, now you have a foundation to which you can help them clarify their role and make sure they're executing their job description, make sure they're doing all of the other things. But unless you have those foundational pieces in, in play, the rest of it's not going to matter. Uh, it's it's so good. Thank you so much, Alan, for just giving us all of those nuggets. And I think, um, you know, for me, just talking to you and uh, reading your books um, has been 
like a true honor to be able I mean, it's just made me feel so more confident in my leadership abilities because I I'll be honest sometimes um you know uh in the corporate world, when I would nurture people and care about their personal life, I would uh, be told by a VP to stop being so motherly. Or um, I think it it's especially hard for women in uh, the business industry to um, have an iron fist and hold people accountable. And I think that you can do that um, in an honest and caring way. Um, sounds like what, what your experience has been. Like, tell me what accountability looks like on from your perspective, when when it comes to still being showing people that you care about them, yeah, well, you, you hit it on the head. I mean, you you could only hold someone accountable to the degree of the trust and the respect and, and that you've earned from them. And in fact, the more someone knows that you care about them, then the higher the level of accountability that you can have with them. You know, going back to the sports background, you know, you know, you, you take a coach like Tom Izzo, uh, the fiery coach of, of the men's basketball program at Michigan State. I mean, man, he coaches his players hard uh, and he's certainly no stranger uh, to yelling and screaming and using some profanity. Um, and yet his players know how much he loves them. His players know he would walk in front of a bus to, to, to help them or to save them. So he's, and this isn't me advocating yelling or screaming or cursing, especially not in a business environment. I realize there are some differences between sports and business, but the point is his players know how much he cares about them and that he will do anything in his power to help them become the best player they're capable of so that they can fulfill their dream of playing in the NBA. And because they know that intuitively, um, he can hold them to a very high standard. He can really get on them because of that. So um, it's important for folks to realize too that you have to reframe how you look at accountability. Uh, I believe accountability is something you do for someone. It's not something you do to them. You know, holding someone accountable is, is one of the best gifts that you can give them. And I, I say that to my children all of the time. You know, the reason I hold you accountable is because I love you. It's because I want you to do things right. And I want you to grow up to be a, a happy, fulfilled, well-adjusted contributor to this world. And in order to do that, I have to hold you to a high standard. Uh, but in order to do that to others, it's very important that we do that with ourselves. You know, I hold myself to an incredibly high standard in every area of my life. Uh, I have self-discipline and I hold myself accountable. Now, I obviously can't see my blind spots. That's why they're called blind spots. So I invite people into my inner circle that will hold me accountable to doing the best I'm capable of. And I, I encourage them to call me out um, when I'm not be behaving as my best self or if I'm not giving my best effort. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's human nature to, to almost be defensive and or deflect when someone holds you accountable. And uh, I certainly have done that in the past for sure. And it's something I'm trying to do a better job of. You know, when someone holds me accountable or calls me out, the very first thing I try and do is just take a deep breath and realize this person is doing this to help me. They're not doing it to hurt me. Now, it doesn't mean that I necessarily agree with, with, with their evaluation or agree with their perspective, but I want to be open to it. And I want to receive it with the warmth that which it should be given, which is this person is trying to do something to help me be better. And I want to be gracious and grateful for that not deflect or defend or blame or complain or make excuses. And um, I find that if if I can take that deep breath, remind myself in the moment, okay, this person, I, I feel like I'm being attacked, but this person is doing it because they're trying to help me. 
that will usually help d- diffuse that. And uh, I think that's really, really important. So accountability is something we have to pay attention to in both directions. You know, we have to be, um, uh, you know, we have to have high discernment in how we give accountability, but we also need to be very open and gracious for how we receive it. That's amazing. You guys, this conversation is only a fraction of the information that's in his book because as he's talking, I'm like, oh yeah, this in the book and that in the book. So I really, really encourage you guys to go ahead and um, read his book or download it on Audible like I did, uh, Raise Your Game and Sustain Your Game. Um, They have been amazing tools um, for me and I really think that they would benefit you all. And um, Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I cannot thank you enough. I'm so happy that you're on our podcast and I think you're really changing people's lives um, because people are feeling burnt out in the dental industry um, with our lack of healthcare workers right now and they need some kind of encouragement. So you really gave that to them and you really helped them and I really, really appreciate it. And can you just tell everybody where they can find more of you? Sure, absolutely. Well, this was a lot of fun for me, and I, I appreciate your kind words. You know, to to put this into a little more context, you know, with everything that I've shared so far, and and everything that I've shared in both books, you know, it's important for your your listeners to know that I'm not coming from a place of mastery. You know, these are are still things that that I find challenging, and still things that I struggle with. And in fact, you know, the reason I wrote both of those books were because those are the areas that I needed the most help. And, and I've always believed in writing the books that mirrors what it is I'm going through in my own life, which in essence means I write the book that I need to be reading myself. So with with all of these things we've been talking about, trust me, I have made more than my fair share of mistakes or done things differently in the past, but I'm thankful that I've I've learned better ways and 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 I will always be a work in progress and I'll always be under construction and I'm going to always be working towards self-actualization. So, you know, anything that I share in these books or that I've shared on this podcast is just kind of where I am in my life at present. But please know, you know, it hasn't always been this way. And I hope to continually improve and level up. Uh, and evolve. If if I were to come on your show again one year from today, um, I would hope I'd have an, an even broader perspective and I will have made improvements in some of these areas. And the reason I say that is if anybody listening, if you are feeling stressed out or stagnant or stuck, or you don't feel like you're performing at a high level, you don't feel like you've got great relationships, you're having trouble with this whole accountability piece, it's okay. You are not alone and it is okay to not be okay. And I, I don't want you to get frustrated with where you are at present. What's most important is just make sure you're heading in the right direction. You know, just make sure that, you know, that, that, that your, your arrow is slightly pointed up and that you'll make progress each and every day. And, you know, if anything that we've shared in this conversation or anything that I share in my books, or like, like I say, uh, whether I share it on stage or I share it on page, um, don't get stifled by perfection. You know, instead feel very motivated uh, by progress. And keep in mind that awareness is always the first step to improvement. You will never fix something you're oblivious to, and you will never improve something you're unaware of. So just the fact if you can listen to this show or, or, or read or listen to either book with an open mind and be able to say, you know what? This is an area that I need to improve. That's already a massive first step because you are aware of the fact that it's something that you need to get better at. And, and, and don't gloss over that. That is a huge first step. You know, In order for me to become a better listener, I had to be aware of the fact that I was a very poor listener. 
and have been a poor listener for a good portion of my life. So, you know, I, that that took um, some courage and some vulnerability, but it definitely took a step in the right direction. And that's the only reason I've been able to improve it was I could acknowledge that it was an area that was that had an opportunity for growth. So with all of that said, I, I congratulate anyone that's listening to this and, and certainly uh, value and appreciate anyone that makes the investment into the, the books. Um, if you want more on me uh, from a speaking standpoint, you can go to allensteinjr.com. Um, you can also visit my supplemental site, strongerteam.com, which has info on my books. Uh, I have a podcast, uh, I have an online course, and I do some exclusive one-on-one -on -one coaching with people that want to take a deeper dive into this type of work. And then I'm very easily found and very accessible and responsive on social media at Alan Stein Jr. on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and, and Facebook. So if anything in this conversation resonated or somebody needs a quick dose of in, uh, inspiration or wants to ask a question, just shoot me a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn and I'll make sure to get back to you. That's so kind of you. Thank you so much, Alan. I really appreciate you and all of the insight that you shared. Uh, it's just been such a pleasure. I really, really can't thank you enough. Absolutely. My pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you.